So there's that. I mean, I know, you know, we all know that sometimes it hits the fan. And sometimes you just need a good laugh. But really, that is the kind of things that happen when Jesus was teaching. Especially when he gets to this point that we've been looking at with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said some things that really made people go, say what? That's why we're doing this series. Because they were mind-blowing things that when Jesus said them, it was disruptive. People did a double take. And in week one, we talked about what Jesus said that shook things up about anger. And last week, we talked about what Jesus said that rocked the boat when it comes to adultery. And today, he's going to continue. He'll say, what? When Jesus talks about divorce, yeah, divorce, that icky, sticky topic of divorce. Now, immediately, some of you are beginning to check out, tap out, and you're going, oh, well, I don't need to listen to that. I, I don't, that doesn't apply to me because I've never been divorced and I don't plan on getting divorced. So I'm just going to go watch old episodes of The Office. Well, as awesome <laughs> as old episodes of The Office is, I want to ask you to hang in there with me because I believe you need to know what we're going to talk about in the next few moments. You need this. I need this. We all need this. Whether you've ever been divorced or ever plan on getting divorced or think you never will get divorced, you need to understand what Jesus is talking about here, divorced or not. And specifically, if you have been divorced, I want to say right up front, this is not about making you feel shame or guilt or pointing a finger in your face. I don't want you to feel bad right now. It's not that um, in any way we're trying to bring up painful past memories or anything like that. No, actually, I think that if you hang with me, you're going to find yourself all along the way going, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I wish I'd have known that. Yeah, I wish I'd have understood that. Or yes, I wish I would have given heed to that kind of thinking. I, I think you'll be right there with me because some of the greatest people I know, some of the greatest Christians I've ever met are people who have journeyed through divorce to the other side and they have found hope. Some people in my own family, I have this in my own family as well. So please know, this is not a finger in your face. I want to welcome you to the table as well as we talk about something that you know very well is challenging and a painful experience. And in doing so, I want to encourage people who are married to value marriage like Jesus intended and to avoid divorce. And at the same time, I want to empower all single people whether they're single and they've never been married or single again and they may get married again one day, I want to help them begin to see divorce as Jesus sees it and understand marriage as he taught it. Because in our culture, I'm telling you, it's just gotten out of hand. This whole divorce thing, when about 50% of marriages end in divorce, and you would think that that number would go down when it comes to Christians and people who go to church in their marriages, but really, the number doesn't change all that much. It's just so common. It's almost gotten to a point where divorce is almost expected in, in a lot of ways. It, we expect, or at least we are hardly phased. It's really no big deal. When we hear people say, well, it just didn't work out for us. Well, we've just had to go our separate ways. We're just like, okay, well, it, it happens it's almost as if overall in our culture, what we're looking for in divorce is convenience without consequences. 
Convenience without consequences, and we kind of use divorce to make it happen. And I mean divorce kind of like for any reason. It's just like it's becoming more common and easier than ever. And Jesus tackles it head on. Jesus looks it right in the face, and he calls it out and talks about it in a way that impacted them then directly to the point where it made some stuff hit the fan. And they were like, say what? And you're going to find yourself feeling the same way, I believe, when you hear what Jesus says about this, even now in our context today. So let's jump in. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gets to this part. He says, you have heard the law, referring back to the law of Moses. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. Kind of sound familiar, right? But just fill out the paperwork, fill out all the paperwork, jump through the hoops, you know, if you need to buy, uh, hire a lawyer, fine, you know, all that. Just do all the paperwork, get all the details ironed out, and then you can just go through with the divorce. This was what they experienced back then as well, too. But Jesus challenged it. You have heard, but I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll come back to that. Causes her to commit adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. Now, there's a lot going on here. Let me point out a couple of things I believe Jesus is saying, a couple of things Jesus is getting at. First of all, and this is kind of a little bit hidden, and you kind of need to know a little bit of the context to see what Jesus is doing here. But first of all, I believe Jesus is raising the value and dignity of women by saying what he says here. Because see, in the first century, the way it went was when a man got tired of a woman, he could just kind of divorce her and go on to another woman. Or when he got frustrated with her or upset enough, he can just kind of, well, we're done, chick. I'm going to go on and find somebody else. Because see, in the first century, women had very few rights. It was predominantly a male-driven culture and society, more, way much more than anybody thinks today is. And women back then in the first century were seen pretty much um, not much better than just property and treated as such. So men were trading women and swapping women and going through women, you know, kind of like trading baseball cards, swapping those out. And, and Jesus challenged that. So in challenging this, saying, no, 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 you need to understand, you can't do that. That's not the way it goes. That is not okay. He was raising the value, raising the bar and the dignity of women challenging the way women were treated. And they be, because they are created in the image of God, they should be treated with dignity and honor and not be treated as some piece of property. So he raises the value of women. The other thing he does is that Jesus raises the value of marriage, specifically the commitment to marriage by saying what he says. Because he hit on something that was a sensitive topic to any of the, the men that were listening, to any of the people that were listening, this religious Jewish society, he said, this divorce thing, it's not just about swapping out women and swapping out partners. He said, this is about adultery. And when you divorce, you are putting a woman in a position where she will commit adultery in the future because back then a woman that was not married 
had a very small chance of making it in society. So Jesus is saying, assuming you drop this woman, she's going to get married again. And when she gets married again, she will have committed adultery. And you, marrying another woman who's been previously married, you're just continuing this cycle of adultery. And Jesus connected the two in a way that they've never been connected before because they accepted the law of Moses, especially in the Ten Commandments, where in the law of Moses, thou shalt not commit adultery. Ten Commandments. And they may find themselves going, well, I've never committed adultery. I've never committed adultery because I only have had sex with women that I've been married to. But because they swap out marriage certificates like baseball cards and swap out women like baseball cards back in that day, many of them, Jesus is saying, no, this is really about adultery. So he raised the value of women. He raised the value of marriage and helped them understand Something much deeper and bigger was at play here. Something much deeper and bigger was going on than just this issue of divorce. In fact, as we will see, Jesus helps them understand this is a matter of the heart. And to get there, I want to take you to Matthew 19, where Jesus goes into more detail. In order to see what Jesus really thinks, fully thinks, about divorce and, and all of the details there, we go to another place that Jesus was teaching, where one day some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife just for any reason? Right, kind of goes back to the same thing he was talking about in Matthew chapter 5 we just read. I mean, just merely by giving her a written notice saying, we're done, chick. I mean, is that, is that the way it should be, Jesus? And they're trying to get Jesus to say something wrong or do something wrong. But time out just a second. Doesn't that sound a lot like today? I mean, we have a word for it. The for any reason word. Yeah, we call it, it's a real fancy word, irreconcilable differences. It's just so sophisticated, right? And you're like, oh, what can you do? They cited irreconcilable differences. I mean, to be quite honest, what we should be saying is what irreconcilable differences truly mean. I mean, the divorce certificate should say, I, I'm too selfish. Check that box. Um, I didn't keep my vow. I cheated on them. Check that box. Right? I chose me. Check that box. I chose my job. I chose someone else. How about checking those boxes? Or how about saying, I'm impossible to live with. Nobody could possibly live with me. Nobody's going to check that box because all oh, that's way too harsh. So we have tamed it down with this irreconcilable differences. That's what Jesus is hinting at here. This, that, I mean, this is what they're talking about. Can we get divorced just for any reason? Watch what Jesus says. Haven't you read the scriptures, fellas? They record that from the beginning, God made the male and female. From the beginning, God made the male and female. Interesting here, I just need to note this. That in order to answer the question about divorce, Jesus goes all the way back to the beginning of when God set up marriage, and he cites the context of marriage as God intended it. Now, Jesus didn't have to go all the way back and talk about the context of marriage, but he chose to, and I think that's significant. So he's getting ready to say something about divorce, but he starts with the context of marriage. God made them male and female, husband and wife, and then he goes on. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And since they are no longer two but one, here's the big moment, 
Let no one split apart what God is joined together. Let nobody split apart what God is joined together. Now, immediately, if you keep reading in the story, uh, the people that Jesus was talking to, the Pharisees, they start arguing with Jesus. But wait, Moses, but M- Moses let the people get divorced. And Jesus referred to that back in Matthew. That's what the law said. You give them a written notice of divorce, you can be divorced. But what about Moses? What about Moses, Jesus? And then Jesus said, well, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession, watch this, to your hard hearts. Jesus brings it back to the heart yet again. But it was not what God had originally intended. Jesus is saying God didn't intend for marriage to end in divorce, but he allowed it because of the condition of your hearts. And then Jesus said, I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife, he repeats what he said in Matthew chapter 5. Whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. There it is again. So let me just come to it real quick. Say, what's that deal about being unfaithful? Well, you could say here that God makes an allowance for divorce in situations where infidelity has occurred. When somebody has cheated on somebody else and you've had an affair and the affair is present, then why does God do that? Why does Jesus allow this allowance for divorce? Because Jesus knows that in times of infidelity, where someone has cheated on somebody else, it is so difficult, not impossible, but so difficult to reconcile that situation. So because it is so challenging and so difficult when trust has been broken at that level, you could say that that is the reason why Jesus said, except if she or he has been unfaithful. But again, Jesus is saying this is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Now, now watch this. This is kind of funny to me. Jesus' disciples said to him, well, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. I mean, if this is the case, Jesus, I mean, if, this, if you can't just swap out women in this culture, man, it may be best for people just to not get married at all. That lets you know what a big, say what moment this was. I mean, this lets you know this was far and away challenging what they were doing and how they were living. And Jesus, if you're saying that we just can't go from spouse to spouse to spouse to spouse when it pleases us and we have to be committed, maybe marriage is not what we should be pursuing. But here's what I think Jesus wants us to see. Here's what I think the big moment is building to, is that Jesus wants us to understand that this whole divorce thing is not just relational, it's spiritual. It's not just a relational thing between a man and a woman. This is a spiritual thing between a man and a woman and God. You see, the bride and groom want God involved on the wedding day. In the wedding ceremony... Come on, preacher. Come on, you make it spiritual, make it meaningful. But we often forget that God is involved in the divorce as well. All the way to the point where we decide to end it. Because see, a divorce is not just breaking a human agreement. It's actually breaking a sacred agreement. What God has joined, let no man split apart. I've always... Um, thought what Andy Stanley, pastor of North Point Church in Atlanta area in Georgia, has said about this is, is very noteworthy. He uses the phrase unwon, unwon, kind of makes up a word there. 
And he says, you, you can't really unone, and you really shouldn't try to unone what God has made one. You really shouldn't unone what God has made one. Isn't that great? Because when you start to try to unone what God has made one, you're beginning to mess with something holy. And Jesus said, this divorce thing is not about convenience. This divorce thing is not just about on to the next one, done, done, on to the next one, on to the next one. No, no, no. This thing about divorce is not just a relational convenience thing. It is spiritual. And just like anger and just like adultery, divorce is a matter of the heart. So, what if you've already been divorced? I mean, you, you hear me say, and you look at this, and divorce is not relational, it's spiritual. I hear you, man. I see, I see what you're saying. I follow everything you've said up to this point, but you need to know, man, I'm, I'm past that point. I already have divorce in my life resume. What if you've already been divorced, or in some way divorce has affected your life in a negative way? We listen very carefully. You need to know that God is lovingly merciful to you, and God is lovingly gracious to you, more than you can imagine. Now, that does not mean that there won't be consequences, that there won't be real things that have to be dealt with, and it, it doesn't mean that life after divorce is not just going to be so difficult at times and hard to deal with at times and very, very messy at times. But you need to know that God extends mercy and God extends grace. And if you have unwisely chosen divorce in your past, you need to know that there is forgiveness for you. That God offers that to you just like he does to any of us who, who choose things that would not be his best for us. So if you have divorce in your past, embrace the forgiveness of God. If that was something that you misguidingly and unwisely chose, maybe selfishly. Maybe you fill in the blank for whatever reason. But here's the other thing you need to know. Not only is there forgiveness, there is healing. Because some of you have been through a divorce and it wasn't your choice. And it wasn't something you signed up for. And it wasn't necessarily something you were pursuing. It was kind of dropped in your lap. And it was something that just happened to you. And it was something that your husband did or your wife did or at least your ex-husband, your ex-wife. And you find yourself dealing with it. There is healing for you. And I'm getting ready to say something that I believe with every bone in my body because not only have I seen this happen in people's lives time and time again, I have seen the Scripture and how it reflects this time and time again. Now, what I'm getting ready to say does not nullify pain. It does not nullify consequences. It does not nullify the, the nasty backside of divorce that really nobody tells you about on the front side. But I believe this statement with every bone in my body. With God, second chances never mean second class. Second chances never mean second class. There is forgiveness, there is healing, and we can see it all throughout the scriptures. God specializes in restoring people, in remaking people, and turning their stories around. 
I've seen it not just in the scriptures, but I've seen it in people's lives as a pastor time and time and time. More stories than you have time to listen or I have time to tell. That God specializes in remaking people, restoring people, and turning their lives around and bringing others into their lives to bring hope and purpose and restoring the joy that once had been lost. We serve a God, I serve a God, and you can serve a God that treats us like that. So if there is divorce in your past, you need to know that we serve a merciful and a gracious and a loving God who heals us and knows how to turn things around. Aren't we so grateful for the gracious, merciful forgiving, restoring, empowering love of God that takes graves and makes gardens out of them. I want to spend the last few minutes we have together, though, talking to two groups of people. The first group of people is if you're single or single again and you're not married. Maybe you're not married, you consider yourself or hopefully consider yourself not married yet, because you're single, or maybe you have been divorced and you find yourself single again, but for whatever reason, you're not married right now. Maybe you're single and said, I don't ever want to get married. Well, just listen up anyway. You need to begin to see marriage, and specifically for our context today, see divorce the way Jesus sees it. See, marriage is sacred. Marriage is holy. And how you interact in your marriage is always, always a matter of the heart. And divorce is never about convenience. And divorce should never be something we run to because that's just what people do in our culture. It's culturally accepted. Might I remind you, remind us all, we are followers of Jesus, and Jesus was counter the culture in his day, and you and I should be countercultural, not offensive, but countercultural in our day as well. So, if the culture has gone the way of divorce, it should be an immediate red flag. See it the way Jesus sees it. And if you're single, when you look at marriage and as you approach marriage, you need to go into marriage with a life mentality where you consider divorce not an option. And if you are single, I, I know this is odd. I, I know, I know. Divorce, not an option. What do you mean? I thought that was my out. No, you need to go into it. Planning, no outs. That means on the front end, on the front side, before you get married, you need to choose well, <laughs> okay? You need to choose that fella. You need to choose that lady very well and wisely and carefully, and you need to look at more than just their good looks. Because good looks fade over time. And people change. And people age. So you need to be looking at the heart. Now I'm not saying looks don't matter. That has a place. But you need to be looking deeper to the person inside. Because this whole marriage and divorce thing, that's what this is. This is a matter of the heart. It's not just the outside peripherals. So if you're single, see it as Jesus sees it. 
Go into it with a life mentality. Divorce, not an option. And choose well. Choose wisely. Choose carefully. And for the last few moments, I want to talk to those of you who are married right now. Maybe you're married and you've never been divorced, or maybe divorce is in your past. Okay, remember what we said earlier about God's forgiveness and healing? And you're currently married, and maybe this is your second marriage. I don't know, for some of you it could be your third marriage or, or more. Then you know what I'm saying is true. If you are married right now, my challenge to you, is start today. Start now and commit like never before. Because here's the truth. Some of you are talking about divorce right now. Some of you are having the discussion. Some of you have already contacted a lawyer. Some of you have been thinking, well, we'll hold on. Maybe to the end of the year, get past the holidays, and then we'll, you know, because I'm telling you, this COVID reality has been really hard on our marriage, and we just don't see eye to eye, and blah, and her, and him, and blah, 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 blah. Okay, for whatever reason, maybe you're already having the conversation. My challenge to you is to make a decision right now to do the work to make your marriage great. Not just better, but great. You're like, what? You don't know the condition of my marriage. Well, you are underestimating the power of God. You are underestimating the power of God at work in your life and in your spouse's life. You can make a decision together to make it great. Not just better than it was, but better than it ever has been and beyond. Listen, you need to fight for your marriage. But what I mean by that is you need to fight together to make your marriage great. Fight together for the health of your marriage. Stop fighting each other in your marriage. <laughs> your husband's not your enemy. Your wife is not your enemy. Your enemy is the evil power of Satan who wants to rip your marriage apart and maybe rip your home apart as a result. Fight together for the health of your marriage. Do the hard work. It takes hard work. I know that's not romantic. That's not real sexy to say that a great marriage is hard work and doesn't write a lot of movies and books and all that kind of stuff over the hard work, but it is hard work, but it is worth the hard work. Decide to make your marriage great because on the other side of the hard work, you know what you'll find? That's where true happiness is. And isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you signed up for? Right? They make me happy. He makes me happy. She makes me happy. Well, now you've been married for more than like 30 minutes. You realize they can't make you happy all the time. That's too big of a burden to put on any other human being is to always make you happy. But I will tell you this. When you work together to make your marriage great, you will experience more happiness together than you ever dreamed possible. That's where happiness is, on the other side of the commitment, other side of the hard work. Now listen, there will be days, I get it, there will be days. There will be days when you want it done and you want it over and you want to run and you want them to run. There will be days when you just want to call it quits. That's reality. But then you commit again. You commit over and over and over again. You continue to commit and choose each other. It's like that elderly couple that I heard about years ago. They've been married for over 50 years and they were being interviewed about their marriage and they were asked, hey, listen, 50 years of marriage, have you ever thought about divorce? And the old man said, divorce? No. Homicide? Yeah. But divorce? No. Yeah, I know he's obviously kidding, and that's uh, being very dramatic. But if you've been married for a while, you get that, right? Be honest. 
about the work you need to do in your own heart. Again, it comes back to the heart. These things are a matter of the heart. Be honest about your issues and deal with your issues first and most, not your husband's issues, not your wife's issues. You get honest about what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your life, and you address that first and most, and you trust their issues with God. And if you will do that and your spouse will do that, you'll be surprised the work that God will do in your marriage. And one more thing. If you're having conversations about divorce or if you find yourself getting to the point where you're having conversations, thought about divorce, get help because there's help. There's so much help. Go to counseling. Your marriage is worth it. Your love is worth it. Your marriage, your family, the people you love are worth it. Get counseling. It's worth paying for. It's worth committing and doing the hard work for. Find some mentors. Get some resources. There's so many incredible resources. And as we've already talked about today, we would love to come alongside of you as a church and help you in those things. So reach out to us. But if you're married, you need to raise the value of your marriage to the level of the value that Jesus puts on your marriage. And stop talking about this divorce stuff and start working hard to make it great. You see this whole divorce thing anyway, it's a spiritual issue. It's not about a relational arrangement. This is a spiritual issue. It's a matter of the heart. And as is true with any and every matter of the heart, that's what matters the most. Let's pray. Father, we ask your help as we wrestle with this very um, messy topic that according to statistics, at least half the people that are hearing this have experienced personally in one way or another. So Father, we acknowledge our desperate need to understand the things Jesus was teaching here. May we not adopt the casual approach to marriage that our culture has adopted where it's divorce for any reason and help us to raise our level of valuing marriage to yours knowing that what you join together you do not want us to mess with you just want us to invest into it and make it better and better and better and so may we do that for every married person I ask that you would strengthen them to strengthen their marriage, for them to do the hard work to make it great. For every single person or single again person that is looking forward to marriage one day, may they get in their minds a clear view of marriage and divorce the way you see it. May they go into it with a lifetime intention and a lifetime plan and choose wisely and carefully and choose well. And for everyone who has experienced divorce, may they know your love and your grace and your mercy because you are our Heavenly Father that did not come to shame us, did not come to pile up guilt on top of us. You came to offer us your love and to transform us and remake us. We thank you for that. May we pay attention to this matter of the heart 
because that's what matters most. In Jesus' name, amen.